countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This week on another thrilling chapter of It Rhymes With Lust. Across the table from each other, Hal and Audrey ate a hurried breakfast, and yet, though time was short, Hal couldn't help but feel the peaceful serenity of the scene. He was eating breakfast with a woman he loved in a cottage that had won his heart. Excellent coffee, Miss Madison, ma'am, but no more excellent than those delectable eggs of mine. It's a breakfast fit for a fighting man, darling. And by the way, did you know I hated to be called Miss Madison? As a matter of fact, I'd rather be called Mrs. Weber. Well, we'll attend to that, darling. We'll attend to a lot of things we've waited too long for. I hope it will be soon, my dearest. Maybe it'll be all over by tonight, Audrey. I hope so. But it's almost 8.30. We'll have to hurry if we want to make the first shift at the mines. All right, men, you've got your orders. But be, be careful. Check with me before you do anything. I'll stay here and hold down the fort. This'll be a red-letter day for us. Play it smart, play it cagey, and we'll be all in clover. Boss, is it smart to split up all the guys? They're going to be all over town, and only us two back here at headquarters. We'll take care of the banks, the stores, everything. Don't worry. We've got to get around and let the whole town know we're still in power. Meanwhile, at the Minehead, another group of men gathered. Angry men, tired of risking their lives daily for the selfish whim of a woman. Didn't care whether they lived or died. The government inspector addressed them as they waited for the 8.30 whistle. Man, I know what you're thinking. I don't blame you. Those mines are unsafe. But please don't do anything illegal. You're in the right 100%. Don't do something that'll put you in the wrong. Man, what'll happen today if we go to buy pits today and some of us are killed? There'll be a fresh crop of widows and orphans in Copper City, that's what. But wait, here comes somebody who can help. You're telling I can't tell you what to do, boys. I'm not a miner. I'm an editor. But I can tell you this. The eyes of Copper City are on you this morning, boys. What you do now may decide the future of the whole town and Rust Masson. Think hard, boys. You've got a chance to save yourselves and Copper City, too. You can get rid of Rust Masson and the criminal violence she stands for if you have the guts to stand up and assert yourselves. If the mine isn't safe to work, don't work it! It all depends on you. So what's your answer? What's it gonna be? Hello <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to the last comic shop podcast! They're like talking about this wrestling. She's not even in the thing. And then, what the heck are we doing? Happy Valentine's Day, dear. This was your best. Day present. Well, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make no sense. I am the host of 
with the most, Andy Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith, J.A. Scott, Ethan Larson, and Nicole Larson for our annual Valentine's Day Spectacular. Yes, if you are a longtime fan of The Last Comic Shop, you will know that every year we do one of these dramatic retellings of one of those Golden Age classics. And this week we're doing a great book written by Arnold Drake with art by Matt Baker. It's called It Rhymes with Lust. Didn't we already read this? And I thought it made a lot more sense the first time, I think. <laughs> I don't think it made more sense that time. Maybe not. I don't think it made sense at all, but that's it was okay. It a while ago, wasn't it? It was a long a lifetime remember. ago. I don't remember any of this. But <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good thing. You're right. that We did do a review of this book on a previous show. And, uh, yeah, maybe we should go down to the Archive Brahma 3000 and fire that one up. It'll give us an opportunity to do more fun things on Valentine's Day, right? Sure. Anything's got to be more fun than this. <laughs> Were John Mayer tickets? I remember John Mayer tickets. That's right. <laughs> I do remember John Mayer tickets. I don't know why we're redoing this episode, honestly. I think it's just because you have it in stock. and <laughs> It's in the can! <laughs> it wasn't that good the first time. Actually, listen, so here it is, the Archive Rama. I'm rubbing it up. We've got uh, It Rhymes with Lux, which, again, was done by Arnold Drake, who was the creator of, what, Doom Patrol and all these other stuff, under the pen name of Drake Waller, because he didn't want to feel like he was writing romance comics. I don't know. But with uh, illustrations by Matt Baker and Ray Orson, one of the first graphic novels ever released. Probably the first one ever. They just didn't know what to do with it. So let's listen to this uh, past review featuring us being awesome in the past. It'll be new to you, even though the book is very old. Located <laughs> at the offices of Crestwood Publications. I'll give you $5 if you can figure out why that is important for the romance genre. Where do you pull these places out of? This is why people listen to the show, because yeah, I'm I, educating them. Chad, I, any guesses? You totally like, had to look that up this week. I think it's where they make dial soap. That's right. <laughs> no, the offices of Crestwood Publications, they were the um, publishers of Young Romance. Oh, okay. Which was the nice very book. first romance book written by Joe Simon and Jack the King Kirby. So if you think romance comic books don't have legitimacy in the comic book realm, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, the folks that created Captain America, they created the first romance comic book in the United States and started the big romance boom after World War II. And in fact, following World War II, romance comic books were the number one genre in the United States. Yeah, the, man, because everyone was getting it on. Yeah, yeah well, hey. that's true. It was the most popular genre for, for many, many years uh, until uh, basically horror overtook it in the early 1950s and actually somewhat caused the downfall of comic books in America with the seduction of the innocent. But ultimately, during those trials, they brought up just as many romance books to show how un-American and corrupting of the youth comic books were. And it was very empowering for women. Uh, it was one of the number one comic books that women read at that time because it really uh, it showed situations that um, really had not been touched upon in other media. Like, for example, the fact that the woman could ask the man out on a date. 
or could be interested in exploring their own sexuality and making the first move in that regard. These things were taboo in society. And so comic books were a place where those kind of ideas could be espoused and and a lot of people appreciated how understanding they were of of other people's viewpoints when it came to to the way that people wanted to love. I was going to say, make no bones about it, though. Most of those books about uh, women and relationships still drawn by uh, straight white men. (laughs) (laughs) A bunch of old white white guys. But great, great artists. You had folks like Wally Wood. You had folks like Al Williamson. You had folks like, again, Jack the King Kirby. And another one that we're going to talk about on today's book, Matt Baker, uh, who is one of the godfathers of good girl art. If you know about the Phantom Lady, he was really one of those those guys that perfected the female form in comic books back in the 1940s and 50s and really started a trend that has continued well to today. You mean the unobtainable female form? <laughs> unattainable for the woman and unobtainable for the man. <laughs> Okay. But Matt Baker is the artist for today's book, one of the first prominent African-American artists in comic books. Uh, We're going to be reading one of the very first graphic novels ever created. A lot of people think that the first graphic novel ever made was uh, Contract with God uh, that Will Eisner put out in, uh, I think it was the 1970s, right, Chad? I think that was when that came out. It It was much later, yeah. There were a couple that predated that. Gil Kane and Archie Goodwin put out a graphic novel called uh, Black Mark. And uh, Don McGregor and uh, Paul Gulaney put out a, one called Saber. Uh, but this one predated all of them back in 1950. Matt Baker first came to my attention through Howard Chaikin's Hey Kids comics last year. Mm-hmm. Where he was supposedly one of the people that one of the lead characters was based off of. And, you know, as you go throughout the comics book industry and see how a person of color was treated, it's a really fascinating book to check out. But I was real excited when he picked this just because I was like, oh, I recognize that guy. Uh, let's get the 10 cent synopsis from Chad before we get into initial thoughts. So, Chad, okay. what is It Rhymes With Lust all about? It Rhymes With Lust by, and it's credited as Drake Waller, uh, sometimes also known as Leslie Waller, sometimes known as Arnold Drake with illustrations by Matt Baker and Ray Osrin. It was an original picture novel, as you alluded to earlier. And this tells the story of Rust Mason. Did you pronounce it Mason? It's M-A-S-S-O-N. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she is, you know, the, the hot to trot. She's moved into town and married the richest man. Uh, and she's taking over his empire. Much to the chagrin of... His daughter, Audrey Mason, a nubile young lady, and they are both competing for the heart of Hal Weber, who Rust brings to town to run the newspaper that she secretly owns, but tells Hal to tell people that they don't own it and pretend like they don't own it and run articles against them (laughs) as part of an elaborate scheme. A double crosses it and then he's torn back and forth and there's bottles involved and passions and... (laughs) heaving things um <laughs> there's some goons there's jeffers who's a part-time limo driver part-time mob member 
Oh, that, that's not Jeffers. Jeffers is the other crime, they're the other political boss. Monk's the guy that's the limo driver, isn't he? Yeah, and there's a bunch of miners involved, and people are going to be killed in the mines. Uh, there's so much crazy stuff going on. But yeah, so that's your 10 cents and up. Oh, there you go. Well, we're going to start off our initial thoughts with my wife, Nicole, because she's champing at the bit. Go this ahead. is not a Ken's Burn documentary. This is as close as some folks are ever going to get to this knowledge. And I'm <laughs> Wait a minute. Did Nicole say a Ken's Burn documentary? Has Andy gotten to you? Now I'm my sleepy show stuff. I mean, I like <laughs> putting me to sleep. But anyhow, so I just finished this book about an hour ago. It's okay. And I'm just going to say that, one, I didn't even think it was really a romance. Like, I felt like the romance was very kind of second fiddle to this whole mafia, like, who's going to run the town type of thing and i just have to say like this dude had like no backbone this hell he's like you're not gonna i'm gonna stand up to her but i love her but no i love her no i love her no i love her love i don't know oh i can't even go in a room with her and i just saw i can't get up yeah what i think was a little bit progressive in that sense is that typically hal's usually played in by a woman rust and audrey are usually men and uh, Rust is usually the man that Hal can't quit, uh, but he's, a, you know, an ass and whatever. And then, like, Audrey is, like, the farm boy who lives in a cottage and is away from the world. And Isn't it always Weathering Heights? Like, isn't, like, Rust <laughs> just, like, the Heathcliff character again? Like, bad boy that, like, is unattainable and is no good. And then there's, like, the more stable uh, white bread you know, Audrey or whatever. Like, it's just like everything is what, Macbeth? Like, everything's Weathering Heights when it comes to romance. But but the Audrey character was disappointing, too, because she's like, oh, I love you. And then she catches him with her, and she's like, I don't know who you are. And then two <laughs> seconds later, he's running back, and she's like, oh, I love you. I know you are true. And then two minutes later, he's back with the other chick. Oh, my God, I can't believe you double-crossed me again. And then literally, like, the next panel, when he comes back after his big epiphany, she's like, let's get married. Bullshit. Yeah, no, time takes place on a rapid scale. It's like these things should be happening over years of time, yeah, and it's really it was like, like two days. Right? And it was like- well, well, I will say that this was not intended to be just a romance book, even though the publisher of It Rhymes with Lust did put a lot of romance comic books out. This was supposed to mirror B movies that were made by Warner Brothers at the time, kind of like those film noir kind of crime kind of ones yeah like that's what they were trying to go for they were like hey that's very popular in movie houses now what if we were to make a comic book that kind of captured that same feel and i will say that chad and i were talking earlier this week that we thought audrey was going to like double cross everybody in the end she's being way too nice throughout this entire thing there has to be a swerve coming up and that was probably my only complaint about it and keeping in mind this book was released in 1950 I'm reading through this plot and thinking like, oh, they're playing with all these tropes. Oh, they're going to do this. And then all of a sudden, when you least expect it, she's going to swerve. And then it's like, oh, no, this book is inventing the tropes. Like, this book is, is laying down the track that all the other romance things are going to follow moving forward. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed this. It took me a minute to get into it. it it's a total soap opera. It goes back and forth, and you get a new crazy situation every few pages. And I did like that Hal was just kind of being strung along by these women. That, you know, 
<laughs> he never drove the car. Either Russ was driving the car, or you know Audrey was there, and like it was always just Hal right. being super conflicted. I think that relates to what Ethan was saying earlier. He was being led by his wiener. Absolutely. That's what it was. You know what though? I'm thinking of that like thinking that Audrey was going to have a twist. I was kind of waiting for it too. I was waiting for her to, her to have some really smart idea or, but she, she just had nothing. And well, you'd think she'd have all the dirt on her stuff. Well, that's what and, I was going yeah, to. I mean, Russ comes in, she marries this old political boss. And then like, he unfortunately dies. I, w- I thought that Audrey had some sort of huge revenge scheme. Like, just like, don't pay attention to me. I'm not the person you should be paying attention to, but I'm in the end. I'm going to bring Russ down. Like I'm, I'm gonna manipulate everything to get revenge for my my father who Russ done done him wrong. Like I, because I was also of the opinion that Russ was the one that often. That would have been a much more interesting story, right? If Audrey was like in the background, like scheming and plotting. It would have been cool if Audrey had been plotting for the power herself. Yeah, no, because she was the one obstacle, other than Rust's own hubris and. Her willingness to get into carnival rides at the mine. (laughs) (laughs) So the other thing I was going to comment about, like the role reversal with Hal kind of being this strung along, you know, weakling. Uh, I was going to say, you know, the problem too, you know, I get where you're saying like, oh, Rust is kind of just imbibing that typical guy that you know is unobtainable. But like the two girls, like you either have a, a what rag who doesn't you know that's back and forth or you have this total bitch like it's like there's no in between for these women again like I just wish there had been a little bit more like middle ground of substance to these people and that they weren't just really typecast into those very separate things yeah but that's like classic soap operas you gotta yeah. you gotta kind of typecast that's why I never watched them. no but that's but but you're right I, I I do agree that I wish that the the women had been you know that you maybe saw some moments of softness from Russ maybe some moments of aggression from Audrey that they somewhere were in the middle that would have been a much more interesting piece but to Chad's point it was written in the 1950s nobody had done this before nobody had made a graphic novel that was trying to pretend it was a b-movie from Warner Brothers before like nobody did this like in fact i i was reading a book that they had no idea where to put this particular thing on the newsstand <laughs> when it first was originally put out they were like this isn't a comic book uh, just put it over there with the magazine i i don't know oh, see i yeah i would have definitely put it in with the magazine because i think uh, women would be more likely to read a magazine so then they would probably pick this up seeing it right next to it and being like oh what is this yeah, I mean, to Nicole's point, I don't think any of the women were very three-dimensional whatsoever. They kind of just, like Andy said, played a typecast and and just kind of and played it like that. There so. were some red herrings, too, in this book. Like, some things that didn't really go anywhere. Like, Hal getting to be in charge of the... I don't know, the boys club, like creating the boys club or whatever. What was that about later on? That was his distribution, man. Oh, to get the papers out? Like, he got those boys, they like secretly got that shit out. Frank Capra, like, I gotta, let's get those news boys out there on the street. And the whole one thing I know, it's you don't with newsies. (laughs) Headlines don't sell papes, newsies sell papes. Hey, because this is very relevant, you don't with the mail, you don't with newsies. Anyways, well, I, th- uh, I think that I thought the whole boys club plays to his character like that shows that really he took this job and, and is playing into Russ. And but Hal's really a decent guy under all the veneer of 
I guess the the quality of his standing. He is a swell guy. At the <laughs> he makes eggs, baby. He yeah, makes yeah. eggs. No, <laughs> it's the breakfast fit for a fighting man. That's some of the wonderful dialogue from It Rhymes with Lust. And Still. I like how this bitch is like, uh, he's like, we gotta get to the mines. And she's like, I'm f***ing hungry, dude. Make <laughs> me some eggs. And the thing is, they're at a restaurant. They're physically sitting, and she's like, but I'm hungry, and he's and she's like, well, let's stop at the cottage on the way to the mine. <laughs> You're at the restaurant, dude. Just order your fucking food. Just oh, eat. Get it to go. All right, all She just right. wanted to put him in that apron. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and nothing else. Just an apron, apron and assless chaps. His dialogue where he says, I'm a mean man with a hen fruit in a frying pan. <laughs> What the hell's a hen fruit? I love this book. By the time it's done, he's all right. How did he flip flop so easily? I mean, he he he. I guess in the end, have a backbone of like, hey, I'm gonna stand up to these people and be my like good guy thing. But like, so then why would you just fall for this chick that dumped you like a decade ago and just be back and be like, oh no, I need you. I don't know. Nicole, I do believe you answered that question earlier. The wiener. Yes. Well, it's not just the wiener, but it's also the paycheck too. I mean, yeah. this is his this is his boss ultimately, and she's the one yeah. telling him what to do and what to print. And this is a town where there's only two newspapers. He's the editor in chief. I mean, he just took this job. He just moved here, and also that he's being played. I mean, love does crazy things to people. Yeah, look at that monk guy. It was like every other ten pages, he's like, "Give me some of that. I wish I had some of that rust sugar." Oh, come yeah, on over here. Gross. I got my little stingy pencil thin mustache. He's got a pencil thin something else. <laughs> yeah, she didn't even pretend to like string him along. She's like, "No, no, no. Here, just go do this. We'll talk later." <laughs> and then at the end, when she was finally like begging for him to help he was like yeah but i want a little of that candy first and he she's like maybe a little bit later after we take our mine car adventure like let's <laughs> so but i mean at the end of the day like that shows that like russ even though she was one about the wrong way was still a strong powerful woman in 1950 <laughs> yeah and and i will say this that it is when women uh, exert their femininity in terms of sexuality, they become very, very powerful folks, right? I mean, that's the whole way it's weaponized. Exactly. It's not a WAP. It's a w, WMD. It's a weapon of mass destruction yeah. when you talk, start talking about women's that's why sexuality. That's men have been trying to put women down for all of humanity. But real quickly, let's talk about the art. Because I know that I, it's something that I really wanted to talk about. I thought the art in this book was... Was gorgeous. Both of the books we're going to talk about tonight, I actually like the art much more than I ever liked the story. Like, I think the art by Matt Baker in this book, there is a reason why he is considered the godfather of good girl art. It reminds me a lot of John Byrne. Every single time I saw Russ Mason, I saw the short-haired Scarlet Witch from Avengers West Coast. The Scarlet Bitch instead of the Gar Scarlet Witch. <laughs> she was that bad girl, and she had the real short haircut. I'm not saying that John Byrne crib notes from, from Matt Baker on that, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was an influence. Chad, what were your it thoughts on that? Art. So I, I, too, I loved the art, although it was weird. The way they would take the character in the foreground and give them the solid lines, and then, you know, kind of dot out all the backgrounds. And that took me a minute to adjust to. It almost gave it the work, like, a little extra 3D quality. 
you know, if there had been, you know, extra color layers, I think that could have been achieved a little bit more. But yeah, there's um, a full page of um, Audrey running out of the uh, Mexican restaurant because the, the art was like, you know, it was it was good and it, it went with the story. I would say it was a, it was a uh, it was a piece of its time. Obviously, a lot of the women and men were drawn from your typical, you know, 1950s style. But for whatever reason, like that full page portrait like really like just captured me and was like wow this is this is really good stuff and i think i just stared at that page probably for a good two to three minutes just you know got lost in it so on that page that ethan's referencing i just have to read the dialogue because (laughs) (laughs) i just have to so so she just caught him with rust and he's like audrey wait and she's like you're a slave a slave to a bottle and a woman and i don't care which one kills you first So melodramatic. It's the best. It is. That is the perfect summary of this book. It is melodramatic. That is for sure. Look at the face of that dude, though. Is that not a Mike Allred face? It is. That's the thing. Like, you got to think Matt Baker has influenced so many folks over the years that you don't even know what what he's influenced. I think that there's a lot of folks out there that have have cribbed him um, maybe subconsciously. Uh, with some of their art, or, or or have have homaged him, or whatever. But it it is gorgeous stuff. So if you have never had an opportunity to look at any Matt Baker art, I would highly recommend that you take a look at this book. This is filled with it, or any of his Phantom Lady stuff, because I think it's great. I like the art. You know what I was just thinking was, man. You know, we talk about sometimes that we are living in the wrong era. You know, and as I'm sitting here in you know leggings and a Lulu robe. <laughs> dress but like damn these girls dress nice yeah i could think of like the fashion in the 50s and stuff and i don't know that's an era that's long gone and you know it's kind of the i wish i had lived in the era where you could go to dinner shows and you got dressed up in like almost ball gowns and stuff you know i don't know it would have been cool to live back then anyway but no i like the art i mean i think it it, it's old art right i mean it's kind of classic but i do think compared to some of the i guess silver age stuff that you've had me read before i like that this art is actually more crisp like i think some of the other comics you've had me read like where the panels are smaller like it's much harder to discern things i like that these are nice big panels on each page you know are are pretty crisp i didn't notice what chad had talked about so i'm kind of looking back and i I see what he's saying i don't know i kind of like how it's solid and then it's got the frayed background yeah, it's definitely, the last thing I'll say about it, it looks like stuff that, like, uh, what uh, Roy Lichtenstein would have, like, stole and hung up on, and, and people would have been like, ooh, and awing uh, on, on a museum wall somewhere, some Jeez. of these pictures. These chicks yeah. got some cinched waists. Woo! <laughs> All right, well, let's get some cinched final grades, and we'll start with Chad. Again, ultimately, end grade for um, It Rhymes With Lust. I really enjoyed this. I, I the art was beautiful, and I, I actually think the art is kind of timeless. If it wasn't for the the background thing uh, or the dialogue, like I think the dialogue definitely dates the story. But I, I I had a lot of fun with it. I love the the soap opera elements. You know, as we're reading, they they would have the like one big block of text that was so over dramatic. Like every time we got to one of those, I was so excited. But. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm gonna give it a B plus, just because it's unique. I I think the story drags it down slightly, but I think that's it's a product of its time. 
I wouldn't have any issues if anybody wanted to go, you know, higher grades on this. Uh, but for me, I'll, I'll say B plus. Okay, Ethan. Uh, and my final point about this whole book is that it's obviously like a heterosexual male fantasy that you're being chased by two women and one's a seductress and one's like, you know, your golden child. And at the end of the day, like you're the editor in chief of a newspaper and you get to release this big expose exposing everything and get to save some miners at the end. Run for mayor. Run yeah. for mayor. Right? Run your newsboy legion is there at your beck and call. You're just such a swell guy. (laughs) Um, I think that, unfortunately, it it is a product of its time. I think it might be probably in the next five to ten years pretty much dated itself out to complete relevance. I think it's hanging on to relevance by a shred just because we have still people you know, alive from that era. But when that cycle inevitably passes, I think this is going to be looked at as, as a relic almost, which is not to degrade anything that, that the story is. I think that ultimately it's like, it's a B minus. It's, it, it was worth reading. I, I enjoyed it at times tremendously. At times it was like, I could do without some of this stuff. The, the rapid fire procession of time kind of threw me off. Like we were saying, like Audrey's relationship, they go from like, even when they first meet, it's like flirty and then not. And then it's like, they're maybe sleeping together in the car. I don't, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> that point. They're snuggling at least, which is something that, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend would do at that point. But yeah, so I think ultimately it's, it's good, but I don't think it's going to be become like a pride and prejudice where it outlives the test of time and is a classic story that needs to be retold. I think it's going to get to the point where it's going to be a relic. All right, Nicole. I mean, it was all right. Like I said, I, I mean, <laughs> with Ethan, like I felt like some of it droned on, like it was too much. I was like, okay, what's the point? Like uh, back and forth, back and forth. Um, I wish there had been a little bit more, I don't know, intelligence at some point, like in terms of plot twists or something like that. Um, the art was cool. I mean, it's old. I don't know. I say it's just a solid B. Like it was enjoyable. Um, I don't know that I'd like rant and rave about it and tell people they needed to read it. But you should read it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'll say that people need to read it. I'm going to be on the same tip as uh, Chad and say that this is a B plus. This is a B plus effort, just simply because, again, it is from a historical perspective, it's extremely important that you, you read books like this. Again, it's one of the first graphic novels ever created. Uh, it's a great example of this folks saying like, hey, they're trying to do things in movies. Let's do those in comic books, which happens more often vice versa nowadays, which is like, hey, they're doing things in comic books. We should do that in our movies. And so it's neat to see that they were trying to cash in on something like that as far back as 1950. And again, I can't say enough wonderful stuff about the art. At the very least, it's a B plus just for that. All right, you've tortured me enough. Can I go to bed now? (laughs) Yes, you can. Good night, Alan. We'll be right back with more of The Last Comic Shop right after these commercial breaks with an awesome game. More shenanigans here on our Valentine Spectacular. 
Hey, it's Mikey Wood, frequent Last Comic Shop guest and collector. And as a collector, I'm always in need of boards, bags, long boxes, and more to house all those comics. That's why I use promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off my orders at bcwsupplies.com. Not only does it get me a discount on BCW's already low prices, but I know using LCSPOD at checkout is another way I can show my support to the Last Comic Shop podcast and their continuing mission to bring fans together under that big comic book tent. So if you're in need of comic book supplies, head out to bcwsupplies.com and use promo code LCSPOD today. That's LCSPOD. Sasquatch, the Loch Ness Monster, Mothman, the Jersey Devil, Chupacabra. For millennia, these creatures have perplexed the human race. But what if they are forces of good? What if they have been sent here by a federation of more advanced alien species to help and defend the human race? That's the premise of League of Cryptids, a new comic book by Grant Lankard, creator of the smash hits Beowulf and Memoirs of the Morbid. His new comic, League of Cryptids, is a four-part story involving these five creatures banding together to defend Earth from an invading alien race. Just as one of their members is losing faith in the human race and questioning their mission. The epic tale begins in League of Cryptids 1. Check out our Kickstarter page for more information. Hello, my name is Tony Lynn. I am an aspiring poet with my first self-published book entitled, Well Since You Asked. It is a collection of works that speaks to my journey through grief, single motherhood, and the dreaded dating after divorce. You can find my book on Amazon or reach out to me on all social media platforms under my name, Tony Lynn. the last comic shop and it is now time for a game yes that's right we can't get enough games here on the last comic shop at least here in 2024 trying to give you listeners what you want which is more funny talk i i don't know but what you do not want is a sausage party on valentine's day but unfortunately <laughs> that's what you're getting on the last comic show oh lordy what we don't want to give is any more uh repeats so we're going to give you some real content on today's program. And that starts with a game of scenarios. Yeah, that's right. It's become very popular uh, on the Twitters and the messages. Like the, everybody seems to love our scenarios game since we brought it back to the last comic shop. For those folks that have never listened to an episode uh, featuring our game scenarios, but rules are as follows. There is going to be a judge, which in this particular case, since Nicole went to bed, is J.A. Scott for this week's episode. There will be five rounds. J.A. will give a scenario, like uh, which superhero would be best at making coffee. And basically, Ethan and uh, Chad and I will have a few minutes to come up with a character that we feel would fit that the best or would be the best for comedic value. And uh, we will pitch those ideas to J.A., at the end of all of that, J.A. will decide which one he is going to choose as the winner for that round. Whoever has the most rounds won by the end of the game is declared awesome. 
and will then get a giant box of chocolate that uh, doesn't exist. Wait! <laughs> I was promised clearance of chocolate. Uh, the only rule, I believe, for scenarios is that once somebody throws out a character, that character cannot be used for the rest of the game. So if somebody says Batman in the first round, doesn't matter if it's Chad or me or Ethan that throws out Batman, nobody else can use Batman for the rest of the game. Fair enough. And let's go ahead and get started with the first scenario, J.A. Okay, for the first scenario, which superhero or heroine would make the best drive-time DJ? Mm, That's right. Not only do they have to entertain you while you're stuck in traffic, they need to give you weather reports, updates on said traffic, and the bargain basement prices at the mattress factory. (laughs) Oh, I'm ready. I think we're all ready, J.A. Okay, we'll lead off with Ethan. I think the obvious answer is Star-Lord, right? He has the best taste in music. He's got a very charming personality. Um, he's used to entertaining people, and he's been to a lot of places, so he can tell lots of great stories and relate and throw it to traffic. And so I think Star Wars like the obvious choice here. Okay, Andrew. Well, I'm going to go with a guy that knows his way around four wheels and a motor, and that would be Robbie Reyes, a.k.a. the ghost rider that drives a car. That's right. Who would you want to wake up to? With uh, somebody playing some ACDC, some heavy metal, right there in the morning, riding around in his Hellblazer car, looking all awesome, flaming ahead. That is the morning shock jock that you want to wake you up. That's the espresso shot in your coffee, brother. That's what I'm talking about. Robbie Reyes, Ghost Rider. Because we all know that DJs are known for their looks. What do you mean? Chad. So handsome. <laughs> uh, so mine, I'm uh, I'm gonna pull from reality, and so in 2022, those folks that had Sirius XM subscriptions were able to listen to a podcast that involved one of my personal favorite superheroes hosting a college radio show, and it was called Squirrel Girl, the unbeatable radio show. And if you still have a SiriusXM uh, subscription, it's still out there. You can download it. You can listen to it. It is hilarious. It's a call-in show, and you get call-ins uh, from folks like Magneto, uh, Doctor Doom, and various other baddies, along with uh, Squirrel Girl compatriots like Koi Boy and Nancy and a whole bunch of folks from the comic. It was written by Squirrel Girl scribe Ryan North. And it is absolutely hilarious. And so this is something that it exists in real life. The voice was done by uh, Melania Van Trump. Oh, the AT&T girl. She's super cute. And she was supposed to be, she was in a pilot, a New Warriors pilot, where she was going to be Squirrel Girl. Oh. But then that show got canceled, never followed through, but she oh. stuck with her. But uh, the, the show is hilarious. Man, and so I think... Is- Chad always get the best answers. Ah, I feel I feel behind the eight ball on this one. Listen, you to that are show. behind the eight ball, but that while that answer was great, it was a little too meta. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go with Star Lord. Oh! You listen to Star Lord when you're stuck in traffic. Oh, Chad, I'm surprised you didn't go with Space Ghost. Space Ghost. He's hosting the show. 
I love Space Coast. But I think I love Squirrel Girl more. <laughs> All right. Question number two, J.A. Question number two. Um, which superhero would be best as a 1950s sitcom dad? Oh. All right. Yeah, no. No, this. Yeah, I've got mine. I mean, I'm hoping somebody doesn't steal it, but yeah. I've got Andrews as well. <laughs> I've got a, I've got an answer, but it's an awful answer. So. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're going to go with Chad first, because I want to see if he stole it. Okay. Watch his face when I say, Reed Richards. Oh, close, but no cigar. Oh. Why are you going with Reed? He's the perfect sitcom dad. He is hyper-intelligent, also simultaneously clueless. Uh, you can have all your uh, hijinks ensue. He's also a total D-bag, <laughs> uh, which is great for your sitcom dads. They need to be doing those things to get themselves into trouble. But then he has all those other characteristics that make it so that uh, it's not a stretch that Sue would stay with him, even though uh, he has the social skills of uh, someone without a lot of social skills. So. <laughs> But him and the kids and the whole Future Foundation crew, you know, get Artie and Leech in there and all the rest of them. I think that'd make for a great sitcom. Wow. So Reed Richards is my pick. He does have the personality of wet cardboard, but perfect straight man. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, Andrew, if it wasn't Reed Richards, yeah, you no, because it's not Reed. That would be not the best answer. The best answer is the person that's slightly better than Reed, and that's Doctor Doom. Doom knows best. That's what you want from a sitcom. You want a Doctor Doom putting on, like, I don't know, like an Argyle sweater with a tie and his metal mask. (laughs) My three Dooms. And they come out, and he's there cutting grass. He's got a, I don't know, some girl with, like, a frilly dress, and he's like, I have no time for this. He's everything everything Dude Richards is, except even more of a douchebag. So, like, everything Chad just said, just think of Dr. Doom doing that same thing. Smoking a pipe or trying to out of his mask. All of this is great. In fact, Marvel, if you want me to write this, call me. Call me. (laughs) All right, Ethan. Because we always need a dictator to be a TV dad. (laughs) They were! 50 dads! I can't wait to watch the debut episode of Stalin. You know, um, when I think of TV dads, I always think of the, the, you know, the Bob Saget type who played this perfect guy on TV and then was a complete 180 off the stage. So I'm going with Dr. Hank Pym because (laughs) he's a nice guy on the outside, but a total dick on the inside. (laughs) And he also does all these wacky hijinks. He can change into different things. He's got different. He's got plot points for days. Victor Jan Van Dyke coming in and going up. Hank, and be like, and then I'm a giant now. I'm mini now. I have multiple personalities now. (laughs) Hank Kim, out of the year. The next Homer Simpson. Okay, well, I did like that answer. I really like the Reed Richard answer, though I think it's a little bit too staid. So I'm going with Doctor Doom. Who doesn't want to see Doctor Doom in an Argyle sweater? Honestly, Ethan, if you would have wrote the Hank Pym series, I'd read that. I seriously (laughs) would. We should have Dr. Doom and Hank Pym be neighbors in this sitcom town. That would be the best. 
<laughs> All right. Now we're going to move on to the uh, area of waste management. Who would make the best garbage collector? Wow. These are great questions. Um, I've got like six people I could pick for this. Uh, I'm just hoping. Uh, ready to go? Uh, I think so, yeah. Okay, yeah. Andrew, you're up first. Oh, geez. I didn't know I was going up first. Um, well, I'm just going to throw out the first person I thought of when you said garbage collector, and that would be Magneto? I don't know if I'm going to win this one or not, but he does control magnetism. And so, like, it would be super easy for him to manipulate garbage cans, uh, well, if they were metal. But I don't know. Maybe there was there would be metal in some of the bags. He can manipulate metal in people's blood. So, like... Sure, there might be a tin can or something in a bag. He can still pick up those trash cans without even touching it. In fact, he can just, like, grab all the trash at once. He can just float over, like, entire... <laughs> he, can, he can float over entire neighborhoods, picking up all their trash, like some sort of floating trash island, <laughs> and take it right. straight to the dump. <laughs> I will say he'd be the one guy you would trust would actually separate the metal from the plastic. Yeah, that's, that's I was going to say. That's, I would have gone with the recycling angle. I think you missed a, uh, missed a key attribute there. Ethan. What's recycling but composting? Swamp thing. Come on, man. It's an obvious one. You just eat all the trash or <laughs> do whatever swamp thing does. I don't know. <laughs> swamp thing. Okay. <laughs> he would just eat all the trash. It's about the environment. It would be perfect. It'd, you get you get your trash collection with a little bit of side of guilt. What else is more twenty twenty four than that? All right, Chad. Am I allowed to do a team or just have to be an individual hero? Because I was gonna say the Fantastic Four minus Reed Richards. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cheating. Can't do that. Okay. Oh, all right. Then I'll go with my other choice. Uh, the Collector. You know, a guy who's out in space who likes to collect things and find neat stuff. And uh, the rest of it would just be out in space. <laughs> and okay. so that's where we send the garbage now, just into space. And then the collector takes it and, you know, balls it up into a planet for Galactus after he takes all the cool stuff. And then that stuff ends up, you know, in, in, in glass like the pieces. Al- and- so, so the collector is like the ultimate bulky garbage day guy. <laughs> Drives around. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Picking up the used lawnmowers. You getting rid of that? You're going to use that TV? Yeah, I've got to go with Chad on this one. <laughs> Guys, he's, he's trying to pry your aluminum siding from your head, hands as you're taking it out in the trash. <laughs> you're not making, like, one of the most powerful beings in the universe, something that would stop over at your house and be like, here, you use that copper wiring in your wall. <laughs> he is the collector. He collects it. Garbage is one of those things. Yeah. I mean, what a garbage collector. Get the best. <laughs> right. I, I'm taking another drink. Okay. Speaking of drinking, <laughs> best superhero or heroine to front an alcohol company. Ooh. And wow. so not only do you have to name the superhero, you have to name the alcohol. Is it is it a gin? Is it tequila? Is he hanging out with Ryan Reynolds or is he hanging out with George Clooney? I see. Boy, this one's tough. There's a lot of good choices. Boop, boo, doo, doo. Yeah, it's fine. We ready? Yeah, we'll lead off with Ethan. Oh, God. Uh, Tony Stark in <laughs> every alcohol ever. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that got dark. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, somebody had to say it, right? I mean... 
It's right there. It's right there. Um, and it would obviously be like some, you know, a Casamigos would be a great example. It's like an overpriced tequila that tastes like crap and people <laughs> buy it because they think they're rich. That's Tony Stark in a, in a nutshell. So he's their new spokesman. Stark Industries I, buys it. Perfect story. I think Tony Stark would be like the uh, the spokesperson for rubbing alcohol. If he could drink. <laughs> he'd, just, oh. he'd just be born in here. I, I love rubbing alcohol. It's wonderful. It was right. It was right there. Was, <laughs> I don't know. All right, Chad. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to class this joint up and we're going to party like an Amazon with an Amazon. Welcome to wonder woman's invisible gym, because you might not need an invisible jet, but you do need an invisible gym. <laughs> I like it. I'm so like clear. It. I know. So crisp. He did yeah. picture the Amazonian ladies. You know, yeah. all hanging out on the jet, just flying around, drinking their jeans, teas, <laughs> little limes flying out the window. Is your hangover invisible? Is the, <laughs> is the technicolor yawn invisible? Hey, hey, you don't even need a lasso of truth when the Wonder Woman gin That's comes right. out. That's right. You left your lasso of truth at home? Just have some invisible gin. <laughs> the truth will come to life. I love oh, it. Andrew. All right. Well... I'm going to go with one of the fam- most famous drinkers in the Marvel Universe, other than Tony Stark, because that was on the nose. Uh, I'm going to go with Wolverine, because uh, this bub's for you. That's right. It's Bubweiser. Hey, bub, why don't you take a bu- Come on! i got to get points for that. Oh, it's you like definitely, yep. You get points for Bubweiser. I'm liking that. I like the play on it. Uh, but I... Still, I gotta go with the invisible gin. It had the slogan. Ah, it had the ca- the sexual everything. cachet. It had everything. Oh lordy, I, th- I would have given it to Ethan more than Chad. <laughs> yes. He wins everything. All right, on the nose. Okay, so we've got Chad in the lead with two points. Uh, Andrew and Ethan both have one, so Chad could win it all here, or we go into a tiebreak scenario. If one of the brothers takes home this final scenario, who would make the best Amish farmer? <laughs> oh, geez. Mm. Who's going to who's going to pull a Harrison Ford? And <laughs> build a barn. <laughs> OK, I got mine. Yeah, it's it's a reach. But like, I gotta, I gotta get points for originality with some of these. All right, uh, Andrew, why don't you lead <laughs> off? All right. Uh, so I'm gonna go with uh, with Poison Ivy, because Swamp Thing was already given, right? So I was trying to think of the other character in like any of these comics that has a green thumb, right? Because if you're Amish, you're gonna be growing a lot of stuff, right? She's you're gonna have green to be everything. That's right. You're gonna have to be good at agriculture. I feel like if you've got uh, poison ivy on your farm she's going to make sure that those crop yields are wonderful she'd be popular at the uh at the county fair market <laughs> selling her wares <laughs> and she wouldn't mind the horse and buggy she's all environmental she wouldn't care about you know the, the less smog less pollution everything about this screams poison ivy she fit perfect in the amish yeah. all right chad okay so my answer is going to be out of left field a little bit I'm going to go with Cyclops. <laughs> now, hear me out. I feel like... He's a square he, peg. He's a square peg. 
He's had his fill of Xavier's dream, Magneto's dream. He's lived on the Krakoan sex island. That's his equivalent of his equivalent of uh, Rum Springer, you know. And now he's just had enough, you know, society at large. And he's just gonna go and he's gonna till the land with his eye blasts. He's gonna put on his little head condom outfit like the olden days. Just not talk to anybody. Not have to worry about leading the team. Not have to deal with Wolverine hitting on his woman. He's just going to go out there and grow a really big beard and uh, be left alone and not have to worry about Madeline Pryor coming up or cable popping in. Just out there in the Amish fields, growing his crops, a life of solitary confinement. You know, after all the excitement he's had, I think he's just he's just had enough. Okay. I don't think you necessarily need to be Amish to do that. You could just go to a mountain and be, you know, like a loner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but this way he could uh, practice his woodworking skills and build furniture and still be useful. Again, Cyclops do that on a mountain. (laughs) (laughs) That's what mountain men do. Ethan. Oh, I'm glad that Chad brought up Rum rum Shada. Rum Springer. So one of the popular things is the Breaking Amish show that was put the Amish on the map. If anybody outside of Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. So I am going to say who is best to break the Amish than Emma Frost. So, you know, you take her down here. You've gotten all these stories now created. It's Emma Frost going to her Puritan ways. Quote unquote, but yet her lady parts are already hanging out already. You can already imagine the costumes that are coming out. Amish role play. We've already got Poison Ivy down there. <laughs> Who is not going to read this book? Andy already has it pre-ordered. He's, he's gotten <laughs> previews already. He's got the whole stock in his basement. So there you go. Emma Frost. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> not a lot to pick from here. <laughs> not a lot to pick from. I think we definitely uh, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel, so to speak, on this one. Uh, but I got to go with Andrew because he's at least thought about the Amish uh, way of life and economy as opposed to Chad, who just views them as Walt Whitman-esque mountain men and <laughs> Ethan as sex-fueled fantasy television. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's a tiebreaker between me and Chad, right? Oh, yes. So here's the tiebreaker. Who would make the best Host of Family Feud. Steve Harvey. <laughs> Chad Wynn. not a comic book character. <laughs> and the, the true answer is Richard Dawson. Come on now. He was smooching everybody. Smooching. Mm, that might be that may be an interesting way to go with this. Who smooches? All right. I got my answer. Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, Andrew. You seem more uh, so my answer is going along with my favorite host of Family Feud. Uh, Richard Dawson used to make everybody kiss him on that show. He used to be like, here, give me a smooch. And who's more like that in any sort of comic book out there but Star Fox. That's right. Star Fox is out there all the time just being like, hey, I'm awesome. And I'm like a party guy. And like, hey, I'll make you kiss me on national television even though you may not want to that's right star fox is the correct answer just because he's a dirty dirty old man and that's what you need for family feud chad oh my goodness okay so when you get to a a host of a show what do you want you want somebody uh who can handle 
a wide variety of people, whatever comes his way, you know, he's going to be able to handle it. You want somebody that's a little dark, a little mysterious, somebody that uh, has an interesting sound. And that's why the best choice is Batman. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Survey says it's Batman. I should have said J. Jonah Jameson. There you go, Andrew. You you, you definitely name. missed the boat. You went Both of you missed uh, Fing Fang Foo. Which is, uh, <laughs> He's not going to fit in the studio. But it would be no. awesome. He only wears those pants. His little purple underpants. But I've got to go with Survey Says It's Batman. Chad for the win. Oh, it was this close. This close. The team Chad. Chad, Chad's always going to win. You can't beat that. Well, that's all with Tommy had for this week's episode of The Last Comic Shop. I uh, hope you enjoyed our Valentine Spectacular. Hope you enjoyed scenarios. It's an awesome thing that we hope to continue on future shows. If you like it, make sure that you're rate reviewing and subscribing over at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a terrific place where you can listen to past episodes that have versions of scenarios on there, like our Giant Day show or Ducks Two Years in the Oil Stance. Man, we had to make that show a little more upbeat so yeah that was a good, that was a good one to have scenarios in uh but you can also listen to other stuff like um episodes with reed richards and episodes with swamp thing and episodes with fing fang Foo. no i don't think we've got there yet there you go you can find us on the socials you can find uh merch at the merch store there jay what uh just in time for valentine's day uh merchandise do we have to offer this one uh we have the two for one t-shirt <laughs> a tt shirt <laughs> no, no. double t's that's not two t-shirts for the price of one that's one t-shirt for two people that's right it's the double t <laughs> <laughs> that sounds terrible <laughs> make sure that you buy it for somebody that you love because otherwise it'll be hell <laughs> no matter what anyway we might be the last comic shop podcast we don't want to be the last comic shop get out there and buy some books. We don't have any recommendations this week, but we do have one request. Ethan, what do we got? Maybe two requests. Smash that five-star review, baby. Give us a five-star review on any of your podcatching platforms, whether that's Spotify, whether that's Apple Podcasts, uh, whether that's uh, TuneIn. I don't know if that's a thing anymore. But please, (laughs) five-star review. We just appreciate that you guys are taking the time to spend a little time with us. And if you need bags boxes, card supplies, please go over to bcwsupplies.com. Use our promo code LCSPOD at checkout. Save yourself 10% on stuff that you're going to buy anyways. Maybe you can get some, you know, gifts for your uh, significant other or if they're buying for you. um, You can just let them know that this is a great website that they can go to. And it also supports our show. So again, bcwsupplies.com. Use the promo code LCSPOD at checkout. Save yourself 10% on their already low prices and get yourself stuff that you're going to need anyways in your comic book collecting world. There you go. So that's all the time we had for the last comic shop this week. I was the host of the most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith, J.A. Scott, and the wonderful Ethan Larson and Nicole Larson. She's somewhere, probably sleeping by now. But until next week, stay safe, stay loved, and remember, if it takes you five minutes to walk to the bar, but it takes you 45 minutes to walk back home again, 
Don't worry, the difference can be staggering. <laughs> I love that this Valentine's Day. No, none of them are good. <laughs> The last comic shop podcast was a 2024 Black Angus production.